you would, we stand in this church for the reading of the word. And if you would, turn with me to the book of St. Luke chapter 5 verse 1. And I'll be reading from 1 through 9. I know this is a very familiar text. But it was when I was in prayer, I believe that the Lord gave me this text I believe that it is my responsibility to extrapolate from it the assignment for this morning. I believe that God has a word for this house. Hey, y'all gonna have to forgive me, I'm crazy when it comes to the word of the Lord because it's the word that set me free. Oh, I was bound. I was bound, I was blind, I was crippled, but with a word, oh, somebody with a word, the Lord set me free. Every fetter fell, every chain fell off my life. Oh, freedom with a word. Luke chapter five, when you got to say word. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God. Somebody say the word of God. That he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon Peter's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Oh, sha. Woo. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word. Somebody look at your neighbor right now and say, Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. Father, I pray right now for the anointing that breaks every yoke. I pray, God, right now that you would take a coal from your altar and place it upon my lips. I pray right now, God, for the oil, the anointing that makes preaching powerful. I pray right now, Father, that none of my humanity would interfere with your divinity, Father. I pray, God, that you would allow me to profess the oracles of heaven and nothing more. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray, God, that you would soften the hearts that are in the room. I pray God that you would you would make malleable the hearts that are in the room under the sound of my voice and I pray God that every word that is spoken would be deposited within the heart of the hearer and that it would bear good fruit. In Jesus name and everybody in the house said amen and amen. You may be seated. For the past two or three weeks, I have been praying and preparing for this morning's assignment. I have continuously asked the Lord, what would you have me to say to your people? And I would, I would sit there and toil in torment 
And I would continue this question, what would you have me to say to your people? And I would get crickets. Chirp, chirp, nothing, nothing. And I don't know if anybody's ever been in that position, but that is a, a terrible place to be. Torment and toil, torment and toil. And I would continue to ask the question, and again and again, silence. I am not one who likes to keep sermons on retainer. I am not one who keeps prepackaged messages in a file cabinet just waiting so that I can flip through them and find a title that tickles my fancy. I am more of a prophet than I am a preacher. And God, God has touched my life with this, this mantle, this assignment of prophetic word. And therefore, I cannot step to this pulpit. I cannot don this pulpit with just a trivial, frivolous word. I must now have the now word of the Lord. It is only the now word of God that will set the captives free. It is only the now word of God that will set this city free. I am not here to play games. I know we got jerseys on, but I am not here to play games. The devil has been playing games with the church and the saints of God for too long. And I'm not here to play games. If you're here to play games, there is the door. The devil's not playing games with me. He's trying to take our children and our children's children. He is trying to destroy our marriages. He is trying to destroy our families. And I am at a place where enough is enough. I have traveled the world with Pastor Kevin for the last 15 years. And I have seen the havoc that the enemy has been wreaking on God's people. And I am here to serve an arrest warrant on the devil. I am not playing patty cake anymore. And you say, well, Chris, you're excited. Chris, this is, what is this? You're excited. You're right. I'm excited. You are right. I am, I am upset. I am hot because I have seen for too long this enemy rearing its teeth, sinking its fangs into humanity. I'm not here to play games. I am here with a word. Last night, last night I was toiling, and it's the worst feeling the night before your assignment, and you do not have peace with what you have been putting together. And you know, I do not... Uh, I do not negate preparation, but I'm telling you, it's like writing a thesis and knowing when you turn it in, you're going to get an F. Because if you don't have the word of the Lord, if your ear is not inclined to heaven, then we are up here doing this all in vain. And I am not about pastoring a church that is doing the work of the ministry in vain. 
You see, I believe that God has a word. I believe God has a word for his people. And I'm not talking about the Logos word. I'm not talking about this, this written word. This is the Logos word. This is the letter. God breathed and inspired holy writ. I'm not talking about God's written word. I'm talking about a rhema word. We need a rhema word from heaven. Rhema is, is the Greek word for utterance. It's the Greek, it's now. It's alive. It's full of power. It's tangible. It's when the words that you read flutter up off the page and it becomes alive. It is a now word. It is a now word that this, this generation needs. It is a now word that this nation needs. It is a now word that this world needs. So I... I was steadfast in my wrestling for the word of the Lord today. He remained silent. So last night I went to bed and I laid my head on the pillow. And once, once more before I closed my eyes at 12.03, I said, Lord, what would you have me to say to your people? And nothing. 1.52. My eyes open and I hear the Lord. I get up and I start praying. I start, I said, well, might as well just get up. I took a little nap, get up. Let's go ahead and get going, right? That's how we roll around here at RTTN. No rest for the, for the weary. Let's, let's, there's, there's a kingdom, there's a kingdom at stake. There's people's lives at stake. There's a, there are souls at stake. So I get up at 1.52 in the morning and, and I am processing and I am praying and I go to get in the shower and I say, God, what, I, I need a word. By this point, I'm not even asking what would you say to, what would you have me to say to your people? I'm just, I need a word. I need a word from heaven right now. I need a word, God. I need you to give me a word. I need a word. And the Lord's voice spoke as clear as day, and he said, as do my people. As do my people. We got too many preachers on platforms playing patty cake. We got too many preachers taking this thing and doing it for their own well-being. We got too many preachers that are not in their prayer closet asking the Lord for a word. They're not giving a life-giving word. They're giving what they would like the people to hear, something that will tickle their ears and fill their pockets. Oh, God, help me. Y'all going to run me out of here. I'm telling you, I, like I said, I am much more a prophet than I am a preacher. I wrestle with God to hear his word because like Jacob, when you wrestle with God, he will make you walk different. I want to, how many people want to walk different? How many people want to be infected by the word that you don't walk like the world anymore? That you walk different. Oh God, I want to walk different. I want to walk different. So I stayed steadfast in my wrestling for the word. And after he had spoke to my spirit and said that my, as do my people need a word. He took me to that scripture in my spirit. The Holy Ghost said, nevertheless at thy word. We're missing it, saints. Think about it. Nevertheless, at thy word. 
I don't think that people understand the significance of that that sentence. Never thy less at thy word. Nevertheless at thy word. The cost. The cost. The cost. People do not take into account the cost. They don't take into the account the cost of the oil. They don't take into account the cost, nevertheless, at thy word. Oh, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something today. The oil has a cost. The word, the word has a cost. I'm telling you right now, God does not take his words and use them flippantly. So this morning, I'm going to preach the word. This morning, I am going to deliver a word. If you are looking for a sermon, Pastor Kevin will be back in a few weeks. But I'm telling you, I'm here because God sent me to this city. God sent Crystal and I to this city to be different. God sent me and Crystal to this city to break yokes. God sent me and Crystal to this city to serve notice on Jezebel and run the devil out of town. I feel the fire of God on the back of my neck. And I am not going to sleep until we do. Jezebel, I'm coming for you. Athaliah, I am coming for you. Satan, you should have killed me when you had the chance. There's some people in the room. There's some people in the room that you see this is, look around you real quick. It looks like a building, but it's not a building. It's a cave. It looks like a building, but it's a dulem. If you got your ducks in a row and it's all worked out for you and it's all perfect, then come talk to your boy. But I'm telling you right now that I have played for too long in hell's kitchen. And if de the devil did not kill me and I'm coming after him. And there are those in this room with the same story. There are those in this room with the same testimony. There are those in this room that the devil has said you are disqualified. But I'm going to tell you your disqualification is the thing that has set you up. Oh, ah, yes, yes, there's some people in the room right now. There's some people in this room right now that the devil said, no, you're, you're too tainted for that. Oh, you're, in too, you're too much in debt for that. Look at your family and your kids, all that discombobulated and disoriented. I'm telling you right now that that is the very thing that sets you up. That is the very thing that pays the cost for the anointing. Because it's you. It's you when you get a word. It's you when you get a word. It is you when God says, my servant. It's you that says, nevertheless. Nevertheless. It's you that says, nevertheless, because you've tasted the other side. Oh, you've tasted the other side. And you tasted what it was like to live without the Holy Ghost. You've tasted and seen what it was like to live without the anointing. And God, with a word, has called you. And I'm telling you, it's you that's going to change this city. Whoa. This is a cave. Look at, look at your neighbor and say, this is a cave.
If you look for a church, there's plenty. Just go down the street. But this is a cave. This is a cave. This is a cave. This is a cave. Look at your neighbor and say, this is a cave. This is a cave. You know what happens in caves? Do you know what happens in caves? You know what happened in the cave of Dulem? You took a, God put a whole bunch of people in this cave that were, were in debt. They were dis, disenchanted, and God used them. And they were, they were the dregs of society. And almost seemingly overnight, they became the royalty of Israel. They became the royalty of the city. Look at your neighbor say you're sitting next to royalty. Uh, how's it feel to sit next to the royals? How's it feel to sit next to the royals? Come on, somebody. I need y'all to grab a hold of this. I need y'all to grab a hold of this. For too long, you've been, we've been believing the lie of the devil. For too long, we have been, been believing the word of the enemy. And I'm telling you, you are royalty. It is you that is going to transform this city. It is us in this cave. Because when God turns this thing around, when God pours his spirit out in this room, when God says, I'm sending revival, and it falls in this place, it is revival fire that will set this city ablaze. None of that was in my notes. That was free. See, God is very serious about his word. The Bible tells us in John, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. You see, when God speaks, all of creation listens. When God speaks, everything, every molecule, an atom has to come into alignment with the word of God. I was talking to Crystal about this a few weeks ago. You know, there's, a, there's something, it's a scientific term, it's called cymatics. And you can go home and look it up on the computer, it's really cool. But... Sound waves have the ability to change the molecular structure of things. It can change the shape of things. It can shift what things look like. It can, it can keep things in place or move things out of place. You see, that, that, that we, we look at like science and God are separated, but God created science. I'm telling you right now, if there was a big bang, he's the one who made it go bang. You see, God's word, when he spoke into the expanse of nothingness, when he opened his mouth and said, let there be light, and there was light, when he, when he said, I want the firmament to be between the heavens and the earth, there, was, there it was. Because when God speaks, it happens. At the beginning, God spoke into his word, or into existence, into the void of nothingness, everything that we see. You continue to go through scripture. You continue to see God speaking. His voice echoed and reverberated through the vastness of space. And everything that the sound waves of his voice touched left the place of was not taking form and becoming now is. Throughout scripture we see God continually speaking. 
He spoke to Adam and Eve in the garden. He spoke to Cain. He spoke to Noah with instruction to build an ark. To Abraham and Sarah with a word of promise. To Jacob in a dream. To Job and to Eliphaz and so forth. To Joseph through dreams and visions. To Moses through a burning bush. To Aaron and Miriam. He spoke to Samuel in the temple. Elijah by a still small voice. To Daniel. To Ezekiel in the valley and said, speak to the dry bones. God continued to speak through his son, our Savior, throughout the New Testament and in the Thessalonians upon his return. He is still speaking. Look at your neighbor and say, God still speaks. You see, the enemy is, is trying to tell us that God no longer speaks. The enemy is trying to, to tell us that he stopped, that there first, if he can't convince you that there that God doesn't exist, he's going to convince you that God doesn't speak. I'm here to tell you that God still speaks. I'm here to tell you today that God is still speaking to his people. There are those in this room right now under the sound of my voice that at one point in your life or another, God has given you a word, whether it was an audible word, whether it was a word through a dream, whether it was a word through a prophet or a prophetic word, you have a word that is attached to your life. And with that word, there is a promise because the Lord's word never returns void. Come on, somebody. I'm not in a Presbyterian church. And I'm telling you right now, if the enemy can convince you that God does not speak, he's going to do so and cause you to bypass your promise. I see young people right now, Generation Z, they're, they're, they're looking at their faith and they're, they're rethinking all that this book says because of what the enemy has said. They're allowing what the voice of the enemy has spoken unto them to speak louder than the voice of the Lord right now and in this season. I want you all to go to verse 1, 5 verse 1. Drop a few points and then I'm going to get out your hair. Verse 1, so it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God. The first thing I want you to ask yourself is, are you positioned to hear it? Are you positioned to hear his voice? You see, in that, that verse 1 says that the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God. And if you look at that word pressed, it is actually trans it's the only time in the Bible that the Bible uses that word as a description. And it is from or translated from two Greek words, epi and kemi, which is rest upon. Come on, somebody. Rest upon, not pressed up again, rest upon the word. Rest upon the word. You see, God was what he, he, Jesus was what he was, the word wrapped in flesh. Come on, somebody. And he was made to dwell among us. Come on, somebody. And it says here that they rested upon the word, that they pressed up and rested in what God was saying. It literally means to, to, to tuck up and find rest in his word. 
As I read this, I was reminded of a story over in Acts chapter 12. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to it. Acts chapter 12. And in this word, it's a story. It's a story of King Herod. It's about a time that King Herod was living. And at that time, King Herod reached out to harm some that belonged to the church, the Bible tells us. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death by the sword or beheaded. And seeing that this pleased the Jews, Herod proceeded to seize Peter during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. He arrested him and put him in prison, handing him over to the guard by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out to the people after Passover. And the rescue of Peter. So Peter was kept in this prison. The church was fervently praying to him or for God for him. On the night before Herod was going to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Peter was sleeping. Peter was sleeping. Peter was sleeping. Peter was sleeping. Some would read that and just go on and flip past it. And, you know. But I'm going to tell you all something. And if this ain't you, then you're a better man or woman than I am. But if I was going to be put to death the next day uh, by beheading, I'm going to tell you I'd probably find it a little bit hard to sleep. Knowing that I had to come here this morning and deliver the word, I had a hard time sleeping. Let alone a squadron of soldiers ready to chop my head off. But something, something bothered me about that text. Something bothered me about that text that how was he able to sleep between two soldiers bound with two chains and guards standing at the entrance of the prison? How was he able to find rest? How was he able to find peace? How was he able to find this rest? Then I was reminded to go over to John 21. I never, I never seen this before. Over in John 21, right before Jesus moves on, we, we read this right before Acts. Jesus says to Peter, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, oh, wait, 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 don't miss this, y'all. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. And another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. Uh, come on, somebody. Come on. So what's this saying? He's saying, Peter, you will, you will be crucified when you're what? Old, right? Old, right? Old, right? Well, when you go back to Acts, what do we see, Peter? What do we see? We see young. We see a young Peter that is his, his life is being threatened by what? A beheading. I'm telling you right now, when you have a word, somebody come on. When you have a word, you will find rest. When you got a word from God, you can find rest. No matter what the devil sticks in front of your face, no matter what the enemy says about you, when you got a word, 
Some of y'all need to rest in the word that God gave you. Some of y'all need to position yourself instead of inclining your ear to what the enemy has said about you. You need to hold on to the word of the Lord for the word of the Lord and his promises are yes and amen. Some of y'all in this room have heard people say, Oh, Cleveland, I don't know about revival in Cleveland. I don't know what God, I don't know Cleveland, the Mecca. I don't know. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm telling you, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. I'm telling you right now, God's word for this city is revival. God's word for this city is fire. God's word for this city is the eternal flame. And his word never returns void. I'm telling you, oh, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, man. God, God, God has said, I'm going to pour my spirit out upon all flesh. I'm telling you right now, every drug addict, every prostitute, every bar, every whoremonger, I'm telling you, every drunkard, every addict, I'm telling you right now, all flesh means all flesh. God help us. Are you able to rest in it or are you constantly questioning it? There's some people in this room that you got a word and when you got the word, you was all excited about it. You went to such and such conference. You went to such and such church. Somebody came and they preached and you got a word. God gave you a word. I'm, I'm talking to somebody in this room. I'm talking to somebody in this room. You got a word. Oh, you got a word. But you see, you see, let me, let me help somebody real quick. Let me help somebody real quick. You see, we live in a microwave generation, and therefore we think that we're going to get a microwave God. But I'm telling you right now, we don't serve a microwave God. We serve a marinating God. And the reason for that is because if he was to give it to you when you first heard it, come on, Joseph. Come on, somebody. Come on, Joseph. Everybody hears the story of Joseph and think, oh, it's a poor little story about an underdog, a little dude who had a dream, and then all his mean big bad brothers wanted to take him out. No, no, Joseph was pompous. Joseph was haughty. I'm going to smack this pride thing in the face. Joseph thought, oh, this is, I, I'm qualified. Oh, I'm, all y'all going to bow down to me, and I'm going to have the microphone, the platform, the jet, the green room, the Dasani, oh, not the Fiji water. I'm sorry, I'm telling y'all. Oh, oh, no, but Joseph, you see what happened? Joseph needed to be broken. You see, Joseph's character wasn't capable of carrying the call of God on his life. You see, we get, we get a word, and then a few years goes by. We let, we let 10, 20 years go by, and, and then the enemy life happens. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you all, I understand, life happens. You got that word 20 years, 30 years ago. Some of you all 40 years ago, God said, I'm going to use you. Oh, I'm talking to somebody in this room right now. God said, I'm going to use you. And then 30, 30 40 years goes by. And you're sitting here and you're, I'm, I'm unused. And the enemy starts to plant seeds in your ear. The enemy starts saying to you, 
that was a lie. That word was a farce. That prophet missed it. That word, that dream you had was bad pizza. I'm telling you right now, that's how the enemy works. He's sly. He's sly. This is nothing new. He's been doing this since the garden. Don't eat from the tree. Don't eat from that tree. Did God really say? Don't let the devil get you killed. Don't let the devil get you killed. Did God really say that you was going to be a prophet? Did God really say he was going to use you in the ministry? Look at you, you're 40 years old. Look at you, you're 50 years old. Look at you, you're 60 years old. Oh, but I'm telling you right now, had God put you in the game any sooner, you wouldn't have gone through the things that were necessary to produce the anointing that was necessary for this generation. It takes some time to produce that kind of oil because it's that kind of oil that will, um, what do you marinate things in? Oil, right? Well, come on, somebody. Come on, so I was making shrimp last night, right? I was making some shrimp last night. Thank you, Raymond. I was making some shrimp last night. And, and I, was, I was making some marinade, a little bit of olive oil, some garlic. Come on, somebody. See, we live in a what? Microwave. You don't need no oil for the microwave. You don't need no oil to get it now. I don't need no oil. No, all I need is a diploma that says I'm qualified. Give me a microphone. Some, uh, oh. It's the oil. It's the, li the life. Life produces the oil. Life, when you go through life, it produces. And you think you're not being used, but no, 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 no. God's just hiding you. God's been hiding you in the, I hear this, the spirit of the Lord speaking to me right now. I have hidden you in the cleft of the rocks for such a time as this. When all hell is breaking loose and the news headlines as hell is, the world is going to hell in a handbasket and Satan is on the throne. He was saving you. He was hiding you in the cleft of the rock for such a time as this. Look at your neighbor say, I got a word. I got a word. I got a word. There's a word on my life. I got a word. Some of y'all, I'm telling you right now, I got a word. Oh, I got a word. Look at your neighbor. If that neighbor didn't receive it, look at your other neighbor and say, I got a word. I got a word on my, there's a word on my life. Come on, Moses. Come on, Moses. Little overzealous Moses. He said, you're going to deliver your people. What Moses go and do, try to take matters in his own hands. And there he is on the backside of a Midianite sheep field. Come on, somebody having to go through some stuff, having to go through some life, having to go through some things before, oh, he'll have to deliver you from some things, some arrogance, some pride, some haughtiness before he can send you back to be a deliverer. Oh, God. Somebody's going to step into their word today. Somebody got a word over your kids. Somebody got a word over your children. I know they crazy and acting nuts right now. I know they out there snorting whatever and sleeping with whoever. But I'm telling you right now, when you got a word, you better hold on to the word. You better hold on to the word. You better keep anointing those prayer calls and putting them up underneath your kids' sheets. I'm telling you right now, you better keep praying over those prayer calls and sticking them in your kids' pillows because you got a word. You got a word. Say, I got a word. Oh, God. 
Help us to rest in the word. Help us to hold on to the word. Help us to stay tight in the word, Father. Let it be that we hold on to that thing and no matter what demon in hell is cackling, we hold on to the word. Somebody in this room right now, the enemy say, I'm coming for your marriage. I know it looks like all hell broke, dumb broke loose. I know it looks like, like all hell is going off in your house. I know it looks like the windows have been open and demons are flying in and out. But I'm telling you, I'm here to tell you, you got a word. You know, you know what? I'm, I'm, let, me just, let me just throw this out here right now. Let me just get this out here right now. This is how serious God takes his word. When, when, when God and Satan had a conversation about Job, and he says, you can do whatever you want to Job, just don't kill him. What happened in Job's life? Some of y'all going through some marital issues right now. Some of y'all going through some things right now. And I know the, the enemy is real. And I know, I know the hiss. And I know when he breathes down the back of my neck. I know what that feels like. I have been in rooms when the spirit of the enemy walks in. And that cold breeze comes in the warm room. Come on, somebody. You see, when, when Job... When Job had all hell breaking loose in his life, and when God said, you can do anything you want, but you just can't kill him, he takes his word seriously. He takes his word, because what happened? All of Job's family died, except for his wife. Because when the two become one, there is a covenant, not just between each other, but between each other. I feel the anointing on this thing right now. Not just between the two of y'all, but between the two of y'all and God. Actually, it, it's you and God. It's the two of you becoming one flesh and you and God. And that's how serious he takes his word that when he went ahead and he put that into, he spoke that into existence. I'm it's all the way back in Genesis. The two will become one flesh and the, the, the wife and the husband, they'll leave, their, they'll leave their family and then they'll go and they'll make a life on their own. I'm paraphrasing. That is the Horvath unauthorized translation. But I'm telling you right now that that's how serious he takes his word. So when the enemy comes at you and he's saying, I'm going to destroy your marriage, just remind him. Just remind him of what the word of God says. Just remind him of the covenant that you are in. Because when God says a thing, it will not return void. The enemy will do everything, everything he can, everything he can, everything he can to get you to doubt what God has spoken about you and your family and the promises over your life. Somebody in this room, you have been promised to walk in resources. Someone in this room, I'm under the sound of my voice, or you are watching, I'm telling you right now, ah, yes, the Lord says you are going to be someone who walks in resources. You are going to be someone who finances kingdom ventures, and you over here broke. Let's just be real. Let's just be real, y'all. Let's and, and, and you get up, and right now you're trying to make, Make ends meet. You're living paycheck to paycheck, ramen noodle package to ramen noodle package, uh, balagna to balagna. Sounds French. That sounds fancy. 
But I'm telling you right now, God called you to it and no devil in hell can yoke you out of it. You will be a kingdom resourcer. You will start kingdom ventures. I'm telling you right now, God's about to bless you so well and so good that the overflow, the overflow, the overflow from your life will plant churches. I have to keep going. I have to keep going. I don't even know where I am. Dear Lord, help me. Dear Lord, help me. So, so here we are. Yeah. I want to talk about this because the, the, if, you, if you're taking notes, the, the first point is being in position. The second point is going the distance. Some of y'all in this room, you got big promises over your life and the promises of the Lord are yes and amen. The problem though comes the distance. The problem comes the distance. The problem comes the distance. The problem comes the uh, uh, the uncomfortability of the distance. You see, Jesus got into one of the boats, which was Simon Peter's, and tells him to put out a little from the land. He sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. You see, that's where most people like to hang out. Most people like to stay on the shore. It was just Peter and Jesus in that boat. He pushed out. He was in the shallows. He was in the shallow places. And this is not an indictment. This is a charge. I am not indicting anyone. This is not a rebuke. This is a charge. I'm telling you, things are about to get haywire in this nation. Things are about, I'm not speaking doom and gloom. I'm not speaking end time prophecy. I'm telling you, it's in the book. Just read the book. Things are about to get crazy. Things are about to get crazy. It's already written. I know the end of how this goes. Uh, we should read this sometime. You, you know, it's, we know how this thing's going to end, but it's going to get crazy. Things are going to get haywire. They're going to go nuts. The enemy is going to unleash everything he's got against the people of God. And we have to be willing to go the distance. We have to be willing to go the distance. We have to be willing to go the distance. And too often we have become complacent. We like complacent Christianity. We like a little dabble, do you? Oh, I'm going to tell you all something real quick. When, when they used to anoint folk in the Bible, it wasn't just a little. Mm -mm. I was someplace. I forget where Pastor Kevin and I were. But we were someplace. And this lady said, uh, don't, don't, don't put too much oil on me. I don't want to mess up my hair. I got to go to work. Don't put too much oil on me. I gotta, I don't want say what? Say what? Don't put too much, a little dabble, do you? No, I might want, I'm like David, get the whole thing, pour the whole on horn of oil. Let that thing go all over my life. Let it be that when I walk out the room, everybody knows I've been anointed by God for such a time as this. We're not living in a little dabble, do you society? We're not living in this little dabble, do you, uh, casting devils out. I'm telling you, this thing's going to get real. This thing's going to get real. This thing's going to get real, real. And it's only the anointing. It's only going the distance that will, that will, that will take you where God wants to take you. I, I want to say, I want to look at your neighbor and say, I want to be in the boat. I want to be in the boat. I want to be in the boat. I don't want to be a shore Christian. I don't want to be a come, uh, get my little check mark and move on. I, I, I don't want to be just let's get in this thing and, and sing a few songs, a fast song, a slow song, lift my hands a little bit, and then go on to, oh.
Let me just say, oh man, God, why are you doing this to me? It's the first time on a Sunday I'm in a pulpit and I'm, I don't, I, God help me. The kingdom of heaven, the anointing of God is not the golden corral. I'm going to tell, tell on you. I'm going to tell on you real quick. You see, oh, God, help me. I'm going to be on the couch later. So a few years ago, five years ago, Crystal, we heard the word of the Lord. And she got pregnant, and we were going to have a child. During her nine months of pregnancy, she was a different woman. When I thought that she was going to get pregnant, I thought, you know, this is going to be great. This is go I'm, I'm in a different season of my life right now because we got a 15-year-old, a 17-year-old, and a 5-year-old. And I'm, I'm, I, we gotta, we're, in, I'm in a different season of my life right now. In my life, when I was younger, I was young and dumb, and and I just thought that you know I don't I just I didn't even I, I didn't think that's the problem I wasn't thinking I, I thought I did, I had no clue how bare you know what this was going to be like raising kids, but but I was a little bit older, a little bit wiser, and I started watching Hallmark Channel, <laughs> the Hallmark Channel movies, and she got pregnant. And I said, you know, this is a time that all out. I, I, I looked at the, the calendar and I said, it's going to be great. You're going to be pregnant during Christmas time. It's going to be wonderful. We can go to Target. That's before they got full of the devil. Uh, but, uh, but, but we can go to Target and we're going to go ahead and, and we're going to go get a coffee from Starbucks before everybody knew that they was full of the devil. And... <laughs> And we're going to go walk around and drink a coffee and just shop in Target. And we're going to get baby stuff. And it's just going to be, it's going to be wonderful. We're going to take cold, cool strolls through the park. And it's just going to be great. And then, like, four weeks happened. And then it was like Darth Vader. Who are you? She didn't even like coffee no more. She said, I hate coffee. Get the smell out of the house. I had to move my coffee maker to the garage. But while she was pregnant... She liked foods and things that she didn't normally like. And so one day, she had this hankering for some vittles. How many know what some vittles are? How many know what vittles are? It's, it's food in the South. It's, it's good food. That's right, Raymond. She had this hankering for some vittles, and she said, you know what? She called her friend Lacey, who was also, I'm telling, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They were one week apart, and that's a whole other story for a whole other sermon. But she called her best friend Lacey, and she said, hey, let's go over to the Golden Corral. I could pick what I want to eat and throw away what I don't. I can do what I want. If I decide I don't like the way it tastes, I can throw it back on the plate and Throw it at the waitress or whatever, because that's where they were mentally at that time. But I'm telling you right now that the kingdom of heaven is not like the golden corral. You do not walk in and choose, I'll take this, I'll take that, I won't take this, I won't take that. No, baby. When you are in the kingdom of heaven and you are anointed, you got to go the distance. So here we are. We see these... 
Peter and and Jesus on this boat and he is preaching to the multitudes who are on the shore. When he stopped speaking, when Jesus stopped speaking, he said to Simon Peter, launch out into the deep. Oh God, oh God. Launch out into the deep. Launch out in the deep. You see, there's those who will stay on the shore because it's convenient. You can leave anytime you want. Oh, God, because when you're on the shore, you're not trapped on a boat. How many people went been fishing on a boat? I've been fishing on a boat a few times in my life. I took my son on a boat one time, and he was trapped. He was seasick and trapped. And when you get out on a boat, you become trapped. But when you stay in the shallows, you can still, you, you, with some effort, you can still jump out and swim the shore. But when you launch out in the deep, Several years ago, the Lord said to me, I'm not in the shallow places. I'm not in the shallows. I call people from the shallows to where my spirit resides. We'll go back all the way back to Genesis. Where did the spirit of the Lord hover? Oh, where did it brood over? Over the face of the deep. I'm telling you, God is calling us to a deeper place in him. God is calling the city to a deeper place in him. Oh, God. Oh, God. It do- oh, God. It doesn't say if you fast. It says when you fast. It- oh, I'm telling you right now. God's calling us back to old school Pentecostal prayer meetings. Oh, God. I'm telling you right now. That's the only thing that is going to shift a generation. It is the only thing that you're going to maintain. It's the only thing that's going to maintain revival on college campuses. It is the only thing that will work. God is calling us back. Oh, but, but the prize. But the prize. I know a lot of y'all are like, oh, that sounds like it's way too much. And, and I'm going to tell y'all, it, it is, it's taxing sometimes. It is. I'm not going to lie to you. It, I'm not going to lie to you. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Sometimes the prophets, sometimes, so I, I don't know, man. I, I don't read too many times where God says, you know what, I want you to speak for me. And they're like, okay. You got it, God. I don't see him turning around like a Mentos commercial. No, I see Isaiah running. I see Jonah running. I see those who God calls uh, warring with the anointing that's within them. And I'm telling you right now because there is a price to pay. There is a cost to this thing. But God has a word. God has a word. God has a word. Look at your neighbor say it. God has a word. God has a word and it's to bless you. God has a word to see you thrive. God has a word. God has a word for your life. And it is to see you walk in favor. I'm telling you what I'm telling. Oh, I'm telling because I know. I know what happens when you say, when you have a yes in your spirit. I know what happens when you say yes to the will of God for your life. I know what the cost is. But I know, I know the blessing and the favor. I understand the blessing and the favor when he opens up the windows of heaven and says, here you go, here you go, here you go. You want some more? You want some more? You want some more? But the problem is we don't say yes. We don't get in the boat. We don't launch out. There are some that are in this room right now. You've been wrestling with that. You've been wrestling with that, but that's okay because I'm about to get there. Oh, Lord, I think this is the latest I think. Oh, God, launch out in the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Here's a key. Here is a key. 
Here is a key. Do not let your arrogance keep you from God's abundance. It would have been very easy for the fishermen to look at the rabbi. Come on, Raymond. You know what I'm talking about. You're a shrimper. For those of you who don't know, Raymond's a shrimper. He spends most of his life on the Gulf of Mexico. And if I came out to you and told you how to shrimp, what would you say to me? You look at me and you'd be like, you are crazy. I've been doing this my whole life. I've been doing this since I was a little kid. And you're going to come out here and you're going to act like you know what the, where the fish are? You're going to come out here and act like you know where the shrimp are? You're going to come out here and act like you know how the tides go? Oh! But he's the one, he's the one who created the tide. He is the one who created the creatures. He is the one who put the fish in the water. Don't let arrogance keep you from the abundance of God. I'm telling you right now, we got a, oh Jesus, we, we got a lot of proud Christians. We got a lot of proud preachers on platforms. Oh, but I'm telling you right now that there's something that happens when you grab a hold of a heart of humility and you recognize that you may have tried it over and over and over again. And you may have done it your way and haven't found it to be the right way. But what happens when you got, when God gets a hold of you, when God gets a hold of you, and gives you a word when you when you have humility in your heart and you're able to recognize your insufficiencies when you're able to recognize your insignificance when you're able to recognize that you might not have it all together and realize through the humility of your spirit, something is unlocked. Uh, the abundance, the abundance of God is unlocked. The Bible says that he is far from the proud. Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word. Nevertheless, at your word. At your word. There's some people in this room right now that need to, that you need to speak that out of your mouth. Nevertheless, at your word. At your word, Father. At your word. I know what your word says about me. I know what you said to me. I'm not going to believe the lie of the enemy anymore over my marriage, over my family, over my children. I'm not going to believe the word. I'm not going to believe the word of the enemy because at your word, 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 you are Jehovah. At your word, at your word, you are the creator of all that we exist. I'm telling you, at your word, Father. At your word nevertheless I've done it all my way I have done it all my way I have done it all my way and at your word I want to live for you don't let arrogance keep you from his abundance somebody come up here and help me oh God you know you got to be confident in the word that God spoke over your life. You got to be confident in what God said about you. When I was a, a young lad, I was in grade school, and believe it or not, I was really good at spelling and writing and all of that. Not so much arithmetic, but uh, the spelling thing. And my teacher saw that I had excelled in that area. And so she, Mrs. Jovanovich, that's a name you won't forget. But she put me in the spelling bee at the school. 
and I won that spelling bee at our school, and then we went on to the city uh, spelling bee. And there was a whole lot smarter folk in that school than there was at mine. But, uh, but you know, one of the things that we have to understand is our confidence. I had a confidence to win that spelling bee. It's because I had a confidence that I knew the words. I had a confidence in the word. I had a confidence in the words that I knew. I had studied the words that were on the path. I knew how to spell the words. I knew how to, I knew how to use them in a sentence. So when, you, when, when I went into that spelling bee, I was able to win that spelling bee because, not because, uh, not because of my intellect, but it was because I studied the word. It's because I had the word in me when the, when the, when the, the school uh, spelling bee person said, hey, what, how do you spell this word? Uh, can you use it in a sentence? He said, supercatalophragilisticexpialidocious. S-U-P, and I'm going to try it, but, but I was confident in what I had studied. I was confident in what I had gotten down in my spirit, and, and I'm telling you right now, that's what it's going to take. That's the type of Christian that it's going to take to, to, to bind up the enemy and keep him from attacking your family. You're going to have to be confident, not just in the logos, but in the rhema that God has spoken over your life. Everybody stand with me. I'm going to say this because I really believe this is what the Lord wants me to deposit upon my closing. And we're going to pray for people because I believe that there are, there are some people in this room that have allowed the word of the Lord to go dormant. It's hibernating. And all it needs is to be woken up because the word of the Lord is alive and full of power. But I, I have to declare this over somebody in this room because I feel this thing. Somebody in this room has been toiling over your, your kids, over your family, over your kids. And I, I have to decree this thing because when, when you get a word, when you get a word, when you get a word, something happens so significant. In Acts chapter 9, Saul was Paul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord he was using his words against the people of God was on a road to Damascus and he was going to kill Christians he said I mean this is Paul Paul who had all access to the government of Rome I mean my man could do pretty much whatever he wanted went to the high priest and said, give me some letters. I want to go take out some Christians. While he was still breathing threats and murder. There's some people in this room that, that have kids who just get angry when you even bring up Jesus. You bring up church and they just start getting angry. They don't want to hear it. Their teeth rear back. But I'm telling you, God's got a word. God's got a word. God has a word for your children. We're looking at Saul here. He was still breathing threats, and God got a hold of him on this road to Damascus, smote him, and it says that he saw a blinding light and heard a voice. He was struck by a voice. Oh, the Lord's voice, the Lord's voice, the Lord's, when he has a word, when he has a word, when he has a word, when he has a word for your family, when he has a word for your children, I'm telling you, there is nothing, 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 nothing that can keep you from the word to, from coming to fruition. He gets smote. No one else saw 
No one else heard the word. They saw the light but didn't hear the word. Because sometimes the word isn't for everybody. Sometimes the word is not for everybody around you. Because there are those when God speaks a word to you, those around you may not understand it. But when you get a word from the Lord, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Because I read this text and it says, and everybody knows the story. He was, he was smote. He, uh, he, he, he goes blind. Uh, God says, hey, just go to this dude Ananias' house. He goes to Ananias. Ananias is like, oh, gosh, this dude who kills Christians coming at me. I mean, come on, somebody. I probably feel the same way, right? But, but, but the Lord tells Ananias this. He says, but the Lord said to Ananias, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Y'all comprehend this for a second. Some of y'all in this room going through some stuff. Y'all suffering through some stuff. Some of y'all been through some hell and high water. Some of y'all been to hell and back, but back's important. It doesn't say here that Jesus showed Paul the platform didn't say he showed Paul the microphone and the tens of thousands of people. It doesn't say that he showed Paul the future of all the lives that would be touched by the books that he wrote. It says that he showed him the things that he would suffer. And I'm here to tell you right now, when you get a word, there are some kids that have gone haywire. But when they get a word, when they get a word, even the things that they, they, they know they may suffer, they're willing to walk it out because the word never returns void. The word has power. And when God calls you to something, you are willing to do whatever it takes to fulfill his word. I want to open these altars right now because there are some people in this room that you've been interceding for your children. And I'm telling you right now, you've heard a word. You've had a word. People have prayed over you. God's even given you a word through dreams. The God's been giving you a word through, through alone time and prayer time with him, but you haven't seen it come to fruition yet. And we are going to, and, and the enemy has been working on you over time. He's been speaking into your ear. There are those in this city that you are, you are generals of this city. You're in this room and you know God has big plans for this city. You, you know that God has big plans for this city you know that revival is coming to the city but you 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 have 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 heard the voice of the enemy for so long saying nothing can anything good come out of Bradley County can anything good come out of Cleveland that you you have begun to to believe the word of the enemy and I'm telling you right now today there's an awakening happening today the word comes back to life today the word comes back to life there are some that have come into this room right now and you have been asking God for a healing. You've had a word for healing. You had a word. There's somebody in this room right now that has had a blood disorder. Somebody, the worship team, come up here right now. There's somebody in this room that you have had a blood disorder. There's somebody in this room that needs a touch from Jehovah Rapha. And you, you, you've heard the word, but you've been contending for it. And you have become weary in well-doing. And God says, my word, my word does not return void. There's somebody in this room that's going to get their healing today because all it takes is just a little faith. 
mixed with the word. So right now, I know we've gone longer than we've normally gone, but I'm telling you what I feel in my spirit right now. We're not, I'm not, we are not coming back in this room the same. I refuse to have church as usual. I refuse to continue to believe the lie of the enemy. I refuse to continue to live a complacent life. I refuse, I refuse to watch people stuck in a complacent lifestyle of believing the lie of the enemy there is an abundance that God is about to open up in your life there is somebody in this room right now that needs a breakthrough in their finances there is somebody in this room right now that you need a breakthrough from heaven in your finances and you are living below where God would want you to live and he's saying you need to grab a hold of my word I am the God I am the God that provides for thee I am Jehovah Jireh if you're in this room and that's not for you that's fine tuck it away you're going to use it one day but I want to encourage you right now I need you all to start praying I need you all to start saturating this atmosphere this is not my job this is our job it is our job. We are ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. And if this isn't for you right now, that means that you have already grabbed a hold of the word. And therefore you are a conduit and a mouthpiece of heaven. So open your mouth and start to declare the word in this room. Open your mouth. Open your mouth and start to saturate this atmosphere right now with promise. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now. There is a shift coming to this house. There is a shift coming to this house. 